Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Uh, I'm going to be later on. I'm going to be joined by Risa, where we're going to be talking about the uh, TV shows Timeless and Librarians. And we'll also be talking about a little bit of Star Trek and meandering off um, in other directions as well. Uh, but before we get to that, I have an exciting new interview with um, Jay Angix Brinton, who talks to me about his acting career thus far. Um, but he also talks to me about his new role in a new series called Travellers, which is going to start airing on Netflix um, later this month. Uh, so without further ado, we'll go straight into the interview with Jay Alex Brinson. We, the last unbroken remnants, vow to undo the errors of our ascendants, to make the earth whole, the lost and lost, at peril of our own birth. 30 seconds. In the future, we've developed a technology to project conscious mind to a house body. You recognize Marcy has a significant intellectual disability. You have. In our time, many years from now, humanity's been all but wiped out. We've come back to change that. Okay, I'd like to welcome to the show a very special guest, uh, Jeremy Sprinson, who's going to be on your screen shortly here in the UK and also in America in a new time travel science fiction adventure series called Travelers. Hey, Alex, how you doing? I'm fantastic, Ian. Thanks so much for having me uh, on the show. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's great having you on. Uh, you know, I've got quite a few questions to get through with you, and I, I think the first one I'd like to ask is, you know, from, from what I've been told and from what I've read about you, is you've actually come to acting from from quite humble beginnings, and, and you're, you're actually <laughs> succeeding um you know from that so could you tell us a little bit about that and and uh, tell us when the moment was that you actually decided you really wanted to to actually give it a go as a career so i don't i don't that's a great question Ian. i don't know what <clears throat> the young people in manchester are are saying but the young kids in the u.s um are saying winning right now you know hashtag winning i'm winning <laughs> you know I saved 20 bucks at the grocery store. I'm winning. Um, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to um, get to to do art, you know, and just to make art for, for, you know, for myself and for others and to also educate and inspire people to make art. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely winning um, and especially coming from uh, coming from the hood or the inner city of Philadelphia. Um, I'm, you know, a lot of people there 
don't have the option to kind of do what they want to do and to fulfill their dreams and their goals. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really fortunate to be able to do that. Um, was the moment, the moment, you know, I don't think there was a moment very much like you, Ian, I'm, I'm just a creative, you know, I, uh, I enjoy all kinds of storytelling, painting, sculpting, and, um, dance, music. Um, I kind of like you, I, I kind of bop in between all of them. You know, I love fashion and photography. I'm really, really enjoying that right now. I want to shoot for Vogue one day. Um, you know, acting, acting is my, my, where I have the most years of experience. Um, I started that when I was, oh man, a young kid, 10 or whatever. Um, but I call, I always, I always bobbed, bobbed and weaved. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to kind of land this show, um, last year. And that kind of really does catapult you over into the acting, um, round just because now people are like, Oh, he's an actor. So more of that comes mm-hmm. with that. But, uh, there was no moment, man. I, I always knew I was a creative. I always was a dreamer. You know, I always saw more than the corner, more than the block, more than the gangbang. Um, I always saw more than that. And I didn't know how to get beyond that. I knew it wasn't sports. Actually. I knew it wasn't. I mean, I wasn't a basketball player, a football player, and I wasn't very intelligent. Well, I mean, I was intelligent, but I wasn't very academically strong. So, yeah, I bobbed. Cool. Yeah, I mean, so you from Philadelphia, so you, you kind of bobbed and weaved. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's obviously you, you. It's obvious that you didn't hang out with Rocky because if you had <laughs> if you hung out with Rocky, you would have been punched <laughs> in the face, right? <laughs> yeah, he would have he would have busted my face all up, man. Apollo, have you seen the new the new Rocky? It's incredible. Yeah, I I really liked oh. it. I I really enjoyed oh. it. It was it was a good film. So good, so good. And that is Philly right there. Like you know the dirt bikes and the wheelies and all that. Like in the middle of the street. Like yep. that is Philadelphia. Yeah, it reminds me about it. Reminds me a little bit of the area where I was brought up. You know, bikes in the middle of the streets. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, if you left your bike outside um, in the garden, it was on un- un- Someone would beat you know wander off with it. You know, yeah, stuff yeah, like exactly. That. Exactly. Um, is that what Manchester is like? Certain parts. I was I was actually raised on a in an area which was notorious for drugs and crime. Um, wow. Yeah, you know, it's so like um, it's calmed down a lot now, but it's still a little bit there. Um, but I, I was I was raised in that area. I've lived there, you know, for most of my life. And I I recently moved out of there into a new area, which is very decidedly middle class. <laughs> As in, as in the houses are actually made out of bricks and mortar, whereas the place where I came from, the houses were made out of breeze block. You know, a stiff wind wow. had blown down. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Um, looking, at your, looking at your various acting credits, uh, mm-hmm. it, it looks like you've done a, done a heck of a lot in a very short space of time. Um, and I'm just wondering, is there actually a dream role that you'd like to play insofar as historic or fictional character? Well, just to go back, you, you know, it, it does appear that I've done a lot in a short amount of time. And I have, you know, but just to the young people out there, young people say people in their 20s, um, it, it was multiple years before that 
you know, that you just grind it and grind it and grind it. And then kind of when it starts happening, it does kind of feel like it all happens at once, you know. So, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to kind of get on, you know, with smaller roles, but to get on three or four, five network shows within a span of 13 months, you know. Um, so, it, it, you know, it did happen quickly in that sense. Um, but there was so much time that went into it, you know, all my life, you know, to get us to the point that we're ready and prepared to, for the opportunity, you know, that, that came up. And then to your dream role, um, you know, no, man, I just want to do, I would love to do something that, that really just resonates with people um, and the culture at the time. You know, it's like, and I don't know what that is, man. I don't know if that's a biopic, man. I don't know if that's Rocky. I don't know. You know, if that's the sci-fi show that we're doing now, um, but just something that really just clicks with people, you know? So basically you want the next Star Wars or the next Rocky or the next, <laughs> you know, the next something that is completely original but happens to hit on the zeitgeist. And, you know, um, Star gets Wars about... would be great, man. Star Wars would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I want to play a Stormtrooper on Star Wars. <laughs> you know, because I just want to shoot rebels all day. I can... <laughs> um, I'm fortunate, man. I actually uh, went to school with uh, Adam Driver and Oscar Isaac. Awesome. Oscar Isaac was um, he was uh, fourth year when I was a first year, actually, and uh, I saw him do Macbeth. And I was rocked, man. Like, I think I walked in the first day and, and they were, the, the production was up. And um, he was just, I had never seen the kind of theatrical, like, life and just truth in a moment. Like, he was incredible. And then our voice teacher came in and was like, oh my gosh, I love Oscar. He's the hardest working actor in the universe. Um, so yeah, Oscar, he's he obviously doing great things with Star Wars. And then Adam Driver was Adam Driver was a year below me, I think, actually. Um, and Adam is a, another really, really dope guy, and he's doing some great things for the U.S. military, bringing theater to um, the Marine Corps, and yeah, awesome, great guy, cool. and really, really passionate artist. Both of them are very, very hardworking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually enjoyed both those guys in, 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 in the film. You know, I, I enjoyed the new film. I didn't think I was going to like it. I honestly Interesting, right? You know? Yeah, but it was really great, yeah. It was. I mean, you know, I get the criticism that a lot of people have made of it, saying that it was basically, you know, a, a repackaging of A New Hope, but... But by the same token, the reason the reason New Hope worked was because it was good. It kept things simple, right? You know, right? And right, it's it's a good starting point. Um, anyway, uh, another a role that I've noticed you had. You did an episode of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I did. And, that was my first network show. John, I forgot John's last name. Je, 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 John, uh, Bat Batham, I think, directed that cool yeah he was he was he was cool like he did a lot of a lot of the really cool big films in the the 70s and the 80s um i should say the 80s 
Um, yeah, John Badham, yeah. I remember that name. Yeah, I've, I've seen quite a few of his movies, I couldn't think of it, yeah. Yeah, he was really cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I had my supernatural death. <laughs> you know, you get on that show, you don't last long, man. You don't last long. Where you so, die. So basically, you you was on the screen for about what fifteen seconds. You didn't even get to meet oh Simon and Gene. Man, it was like I was a, I was playing this young kid in high school, and I had this this job at the sipping sh- the, the the sipping dip or whatever you know the gas station mm-hmm. the nip and tuck or whatever it was called. And uh, yeah, then this crazy alien comes in, uh, a possessed guy. They got bitten or something. And uh, he wanted some water, right? He needed, he was thirsty. And, you know, man, I'm just trying to keep my job, right? So I go over, I said, listen, man, you can't, you can't take that water out, you know, without paying for it. You know, so he takes the water, he drinks it in front of my face, and then I try to grab it, you know? You know, I was really brave. So I grabbed water from this guy and uh, took me out, man. So I don't know if it was 15, 30 seconds or what. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, 30, maybe 33 seconds. Did did you get a did you get uh, any opportunity to meet the two main guys on that show? Or? You know what, man? They were around. I remember uh, their trailer was there on set when I was around the guys. I heard they're very very nice. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite shows. That's why I kind of, that that's why it stood out to me. <laughs> so mm, I, I love yeah, it's show. a great show. Mm-hmm. Jim Jim is a the, the producer. Um, he's a great guy. He's always around, so I see him a lot. Um, around and stuff like that. And your latest role, your, your newest role, is of uh, Jeff uh, Conacher uh, mm-hmm. in the new science fiction time travel series Travelers. Uh, so, what can you tell us about the show, and how does your character fit in? So, I really think that you guys are gonna like. You guys are gonna like it over in the UK. I think people in the US are gonna like it as well. It's um, it's time travel. Um, but it's super contemporary and it's, it's relationship driven and character driven. And it's really, you know, you really become, uh, you know, you really begin to care for the characters at the beginning of the show. And then the time travel is just fun, you know? Um, but it's not like time travel over your head, you know, with, with a lot of rules and, um, those, those things are there. The framework is there. Um, but it's really, really good. It's contemporary. It's um, solving problems. Um, it's great, man. Cool. Um, how, how does your character fit into fit into the show? Uh, what you know? So I, uh, I, I, um, you know, off the off the jump, I look like a really bad guy off the jump. But I'm not. I'm I'm a good guy. I love my family. Um, and I I have this baby with with one of the the one of the travelers and i noticed that she changes right so you know the consciousness is sent back in time to you know into this body in the body of my my girlfriend my baby's mama and um i noticed that that something is not right and that's kind of where the show where the show begins you know, this discovery of, hold on, something is happening here. You know, you're a completely different person right now. What happened? And that's kind of where, where the show begins and we start to figure that out. Um, it's really, really good, though. But at, off the jump, you got to give the guy a chance because he is he is hurting. You know, he has a lot of issues and 
he doesn't necessarily know how to communicate properly with his with his girlfriend and uh you know kind of makes him backlash sometimes mm-hmm. so you know just just so like for those are listening give the guy a chance okay <laughs> yeah give the guy yeah. a chance give the guy a chance he really he really does love and i think that's why he's so broken when he lose when when the the idea that he could possibly lose his girl you know really comes up because this is what is keeping him sane this is you know he wants his family you know his family is 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 is, is, is what he really cares about mm-hmm um, what what attracted you to the series, and uh, what was the audition process like for you? Um, interesting enough, I was in LA uh, shooting shooting some some photos actually um, in January, and yeah, I got a request to tape for the project, and uh, I sent in a tape. I sent in a tape actually for another character in the show, and then I didn't hear anything from like. Five weeks later, um, yeah, I just got a call saying, hey, listen, they want to see you again before another role. And uh, yeah, I went in and, and that that appointment was with Nick, the, the, the director of the pilot, and with Brad, um, the creator of the show. And uh, it was great. I think we really, we really connected, you know. Um, I think they really appreciated my my take on them, you know, I really, I really went in for the truth and the humanity and, you know, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had you actually forgotten that you'd auditioned for the role when, when, when they sent you the request for another? Cause I you know, know what? As, There's so uh, many appointments and so many auditions, so many tapings. I definitely think I did. I was like, mm, I don't remember what that was for. You know, I, I, you know, yeah, I guess that I guess it's kind of good that that sort of thing happens because uh, I think you so. know because I guess if you if you if you audition for something you really really want in it or, exactly. or like, you're just going to torture yourself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know, <laughs> actors, you know, mental health is is big for us, man. Like you know, um, for musicians as well, but definitely for actors because it's that you know you feel like it's rejection. You know, you you know. One out of ten, you might get a reply, but um, some you don't. You know, so it uh, you definitely have to be conscious of how you hold on to tapings and appointments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I'm fortunate that I'm not kind of at a stage in my life where I do it and let it go. And I really have fun with the taping process. You know, like once I do the tape, I'm done. You know, like the tape is is my artistic expression for the day. And if they like it, okay, great. If they don't, it's all good. I'm moving on to the next taping. Um, I've noticed you've popped up in a few science fiction and fantasy series. Um, um, Are you you a fan of those kind of shows? You know what? I I never, you know, as a kid, I never watched sci-fi, you know? But um, it's a really, really cool genre, and you can do cool stuff. Like you said, you can shoot guns and stuff like that, and you know, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, it's also like it. Yeah, it's also a cool, um, thing for um, get getting a message across as well. I mean, you know, if you look at the old Star Trek shows back in back back in the sixties. You know, mm-hmm. they couldn't really talk about racism and, uh, and, mm. and homosexual, you know, homosexuality mm-hmm. and stuff like that on on TV. So they you use science fiction as a, as a way to get around that. 
You know what? That's um, that's a really good point. Well, you know, Brad, the creator of our show, he's pretty he's pretty awesome, right? And I think that he does have a big picture, big overview of culture in the world. And, you know, I mean, saving humanity is no small feat, you know what I mean? And, like, talking about those issues and, you know, there's some big stuff to wrestle with. And I think that he does a really good job of that, you know, with this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that's, that's, that's something that's just great about the genre as a whole. You see, the, 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 the level of stuff you can talk about as long as all the guns and goo stuff. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that you've also uh, nabbed yourself uh, a, a, a role in Prison Break. Now, obviously... <laughs> Do you watch that show? I, I watch, I love that show. Okay. <laughs> um, now, obviously, you can't say to you much, otherwise the men in black suits will come after you, but uh, <laughs> without giving the game away, uh, what, what, can you, what, what can you say... About, about the experience of working on that show and how was it for you? You know, Prison Break Prison Break was um was interesting, you know. Like I had never worked on a show that that big before, I'd say, you know, so it was it was definitely a learning curve for me dealing with um you know, such a big like you know, prison break is like, oh my goodness, you know what I mean? Like you know, you can come into to, to, to the city, to any city and say, we're shooting prison break. They'll shut the whole city down, you know, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it was like, wow. So, I mean, it was good. You know, I, I learned a lot. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I'm actually quite amazed that they bought it back <laughs> for this one season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, the synergies came, you know, kind of aligned. And uh, Dominic was saying that, uh yeah, like, you know, he, you know, they, they, they got the boys back together and, uh, yeah, made it happen. Mm-hmm. So the, the, is it a quite big role you've got in that or is it just... Is it... You know, it's just a really small, I mean, you, you blink and you won't even see me. You know, it was actually interesting. I actually did that role um, when I was filming uh, Travelers, but it happened, it kind of... I sent a tape in a long time ago for for it, you know, just because, you know, I was just, just taking every opportunity that came around. So I sent a tape in, and then a while later, they just said, you know, I didn't even meet anybody for that. I just sent a tape in, and then a while later, they just said, hey, you got the role. Can you come to set and do it? Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, I think it comes out in January, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um... Another fun question for you. As an actor and all-round mm-hmm. creative person, uh, who would you say um, has most inspired you? And are there any actors and directors out there that you'd love the chance to work with? So I have to say, you know, this is a funny answer, but so uh, Jeffrey Wright was very inspiring to me. And Martin Lawrence was very inspiring to me. And I know they're from completely two different worlds, but Martin Lawrence was inspiring to me. I really did learn the power of, 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 of television, you know, because I'm a little kid and, 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 and dire times and just kind of frustrated with where I was in life. And I, I watched the show and it was a great escape and I had so much fun and I really got to laugh myself. 
in a room and really enjoy myself. Um, so he was very, very inspiring to me. And then um, in the Martin Lawrence show specific. And then, um, yeah, Jeffrey Wright, man. Like I, I, I saw Jeffrey, you know, we had the same acting teacher for a very, very short while. Um, and I am in a, in a production of um, Top Dog Underdog on Broadway when I was 15 or whatever. And he did this thing where he was on top of the chair bouncing on one leg. And it was the most interesting thing I have ever seen in my life. Like, it was so good. And uh, I said, okay, that. And then after the show, he came out and I chatted with him. And uh, yeah, and then when I was living in Brooklyn, he was living in Brooklyn. And I ran into him one time in the um, in the Home Depot. And, uh, oh, Jeffrey, what's up, man? And this is what he said to me. Check me out. This is what he said to me. I said, yo, Jeffrey, what's up, man? And he said, yo, man, where's my $10? Like, <laughs> I was like, huh? Like, he literally, he was so serious. I was like, yo, was a, he was like, where's my $10? And I was like, <gasps> it was crazy. I, I don't know. I've always liked him since, since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sounds like a very yeah. dry sense of humor. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And you know, oh, one more story for you. I was living in Brooklyn. He used to bring his family to the the flea market, and I was scooping ice cream. I had a job working for Jenny Dundas, the the act um, in New York. She owns an ice cream shop, and I was scooping ice cream for her at the Brooklyn flea. And Jeffrey would come and get ice cream and just like chill with his family. Ooh. So a mentor from afar. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, are there any actors and, and directors that you'd love the chance to work with that, that you haven't had chance to work with yet? You know, I would I would like to do something with Antoine Fuqua. You know, when when I was living in New York, I auditioned for um, I auditioned for Brooklyn's Finest, and it was so interesting because I, you know, you know, when you're young, you really don't know what's happening. You're just dumb. You know, I was so stupid back then. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I auditioned in this little room in Chinatown. And that's the that's the funny thing about about New York casting is like, I mean, man, it's just weird because New York, right? It's just like you're in these weird back rooms. Anyway, I'm in this casting office in, in Chinatown and uh, I'm thinking it's just a taping. OK, I'm thinking it's just a taping. So I walk in and freaking Antoine Fuqua is in the back, in the corner, in the shadows, just like chilling there. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I and I think my read was just so bad because I was so nervous and I just was so unprepared because I just, I wasn't ready, mm-hmm. you know? And so I would like an opportunity to kind of revive myself with him, you know? Yeah, you, but, you probably need the opportunity to sort of pinch yourself and say, hey man, this is Antoine Fuqua, he's human. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, when you get older too, you you, you start you gotta realize you stop. You know, you gotta come back to reality. You know. Yeah, you kind you kind of put people on. You kind of put your heroes on a pedestal. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, exactly. and and because you do that, it kind of freaks you out. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. As, well, as, aside from uh, Travelers and Prison Break, uh, are there mm-hmm. any other things you, you you've done of me uh, or, or are doing that you'd like to so I could quickly talk, talk about? Um. So Counteract is a cool short film. Um. That that we did that we did last year. 
that's fun. So if you're at a film festival that is playing it, please go and check that out. Of course, check out Travelers. I think you guys are going to really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in New York in January, we have a, um, I have a, my wife and I have a dance company called Rockwards Dance Theater. Wow. And we're premiering a piece um, at the Joyce on the 30th. So, you know, come check that out. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want me dancing. I've got two. I've got two <laughs> on my feet. I'm not. I'm not good at dancing. I can play guitar, but I can't dance. <laughs> Everybody can dance, man. That's what my wife says. Everybody can dance. Inspire dance. You know, yeah. Inspire dance TV. That's that's our whole thing. Everybody can dance. People get me to dance if they want to destroy something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kind of got wrecking ball feet. <laughs> wrecking ball. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, I hear you. Yeah. Watch out if Ian's on the dance floor. Yep. Move aside. He needs lots of room. <laughs> move aside, man. He's getting the moves going. He's getting the moves going. Um, if you could have a superpower, mm-hmm. what would it be? And how would you try to use it? And who would you try to help? Wow. That's a great question. I'm, so I'm a, I'm a lame-o. Because if I had a superpower, I would love to fly. You know, mm-hmm. but that's so lame because we already can fly. And if you can fly, how can you really help anybody? You know, that's so lame. So maybe I should pick two. So maybe I should say I would love to fly. And like, I would love to. It would be cool to create a little bit of water, I think, because there are so many places like I spent some time in um, some desolate places in, in Africa. And there are so many places that don't have clean water, you mm-hmm. know, and in Haiti as well. Um but that would be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool to be able to create some water or something. Yeah. Earth, wind, fire. What was that show called? Captain Planet. That's the one, yeah. Captain Planet. And and that that I remember that one because that was a that was the the the, the one that had a very strong ecology message to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was that was very prolific back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think that was eighty. No, it was the nineties. Yeah, it was prolific. It was like, oh my goodness, the one black guy. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. So, but cool. Cool. Well, Alex, thanks for being on the show. It's been great speaking to you and having you on. Thank you so much. And best of luck with Travelers. Um, and for those that are listening, Travelers uh, here in the UK and in America, it's going to be on Netflix. So look out for it. It comes out, what, December? December 23rd. Yeah. December 23rd. It's going to be amazing. So bookmark it and watch it after Christmas when all the craziness is over. <laughs> you know, it's, um, Precisely. It's or not, watch it on Christmas Day, man. You know, yeah, right you before know. dinner, just binge before Christmas dinner. Yeah, binge and lock all, lock all the in-laws and um, all the rangers in another room, and you know, just yes, <laughs> watch it exactly. Okay. Um, anyway, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Best of luck with everything. Welcome to the 21st. Let's begin. My name's McLaren. My team has been tasked to prevent the beginning of the fall. We've just changed history. And I thought that would be a bigger deal. Hey everybody, this is Daniel Corey, writer of Image Comics Moriarty and Red City and Danger Cats Ludworth, and you are listening to SFP Now. I hope you uh, hope you all enjoyed the uh, interview there with uh, J. Alex Brinson. And just to remind everyone, 
uh, Travelers will be available on Netflix on the uh, 23rd of December. So if you're full of turkey and stuff like that and, the, and, and you're fed up with the same old Christmas movies that are going to be on um, over that week, um, you know, you can sort of like binge watch, um, you can binge watch Travellers um, if, if, you, if you feel like it. Um, because it's on, on going to be on Netflix on the twenty third December, um, which it's a bit of an odd time, that isn't it, Risa? It is yeah. very much so. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's usually when the shows are winding down, but then the other shows are winding down, so maybe it's perfect timing. Yeah, is that too? Um, yep. Uh, talking of which, Reese has just joined me here, and we're going to be doing some uh, TV talk uh, now. And um, what we decided to do, we just decided this off air a few minutes ago. Um, instead of discussing the DC shows, because there's actually um, a, a four-way crossover coming up, we're going to sort of like discuss a few of the other shows that we'd like to discuss. And we're going to come back and do a special episode next week where we talk about all the DC shows and, um, and, and how they're, they're going forward. Um, so so which, which show do you want to take on first? Because we've got Timeless, which I'm loving, by the way. We have... Yes. Um, we we have librarians, which I loved the opening episode of it. Um, it was a brilliant start, and we also have um, oh yeah, we discussed the uh, Star Trek show, the, the latest news and developments on that. Let's start with Timeless because we've had more episodes of that. To yeah, go with. yeah. Well, Timeless um, for those that haven't seen it, it's um, it's basically a time travel show, and it's a rather. It started out kind of wonky, but it's, it's building steam. Um, the mythology is, if I have one issue with it, uh, the mythology is pretty bog standard, but then the bog stand, the mythology is usually pretty bog standard on these shows. They basically mm-hmm. just use it, use it to keep the machine going. Uh, the, the standout elements are the standalone elements on the, and the character beats. Yep, and we, we, have a, we have an actor in there, who came very, 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 very close to uh, being Doctor Who. Oh, yes, Patterson Joseph. Mm-hmm. Love him very much. Mm-hmm. I've loved him since I saw him as um, the Marquis of Carabas and the, on the original um, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere, which started out as a, t- as a uh, TV miniseries before it became a book, before it became a radio play. Mm-hmm. And Patterson Joseph was the original Marquis of Carabas. Yeah, the thing, thing I actually love about Patterson Joseph, though, is whenever he plays a role, it's always very, very understated. Yes. You know, he, he doesn't. He doesn't sort of like. Uh, he doesn't go over the top, or you know, it's always a very understated performance. Um, uh-huh. You know, and um, it's same again with this. This this new character he's got of um, of 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 is it Mason. Yes. I can't remember his surname. It's Mason, and he's kind of like the the, the uh, mentor figure to Rufus. Yes. Um, yes. But he's also kind of the uh, the touch point with a uh, written house. Yes, and it's obvious that he's up to his neck in whatever's going on with Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse, uh, for those who don't know, is the is the, um, the the monolithic organization that's been active since the dawn of time. Blah blah blah. You yeah. know, it's it's whatever it is. I don't really care. Um, I've reached the point where the mythologies mm-hmm. of these shows are often the least interesting elements of these shows. I just sort of note the mythology and move on. 
um, the mythology basically just serves for the character beats and the performance elements and all of that stuff is really really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've been re- I've really been enjoying it. it. Got off to a bit of a wonky start, as you say. Um, like for for a start, I think that first episode they did instead of doing um, a forty five minute one, they should have done two hour one. They should have done two hour, you know, yeah. because. With, with with such a huge event as 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 for Hindenburg, it's the sort of event you can actually get away with doing a two hour one because it's not it's an event that's on like um, it was huge when it happened and it's still huge now, but it's not really talked about as much as the assassination JFK or yeah. the Second World War or the First World War sort of thing. So or even the Titanic. Or, or, even the, or even Titanic, as you say. So they could have got away with doing a hang of a lot more with that than they did. And yes. I was a bit disappointed, but they didn't. Yeah, it, that was disappointing. But then um, it's it's very hard because either these shows get really bogged down in the mythology and drag, or they or they rush. I, I, mm-hmm. At this point, I've yet to see a show that gets the pacing just right. Um, and, and unfortunately, Timeless, one of the reasons why I ignore, largely ignore the mythology in shows like this is because the pacing is always wonky no matter what they do. And Timeless has fallen in, into the rushing it category. Um, they just, they, they don't take the time a lot with their, with their story elements. Um, you know, and I, and I don't know what, I don't know what they do because it's because from a production standpoint, it's a double edged sword. I realize so many of these, so many of these choices have so little to do with uh, the creative direction and more to do with, you know, the financing and the logistics and, and all, all this stuff. So it's hard to, it's hard to judge. Mm-hmm. Pers- how you repair something like that personally I think they could they, they could have probably got away with doing this first the first half of the season without even mentioning Rittenhouse I was kind of hoping they would um unfortunately and uh, Eric Kripke of Supernatural fame is in charge of the show. He's the showrunner, and he's he's said a couple of different things. I uh, he said on one hand he doesn't believe in dragging out the mythology, so he's not going to be precious about it. He's actually going to give us answers, which he which he's kind of doing. But on the other hand, um, he is also saying that he is big on just doing the standalone elements and having it be a throwback to the 70s and 80s, which I kind of appreciate because um, heavily serialized shows that drag, drag, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over that. But the, but the, um, the trade-off, as I've said, is that you can rush it. Mm-hmm. And that's, what we're, that's kind of what we're facing. You know, let's see, we've had the Hindenburg so far. We've had the, uh, the episode which deals with the assassination of uh, Lincoln. That was episode two, yeah. to tell you something about the pacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had the episode in which they um, t- t- partake in the uh, Battle of the Animal. That was that was a good one. All of these episodes are very character driven. Um, mm-hmm. They they get they like Warehouse Thirteen. Um, the 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 plots don't offer you much on the surface, but when you get to the end of the episode, you realize what you what you did get was a chance for the characters to really be who they were and become who they're going to become. Yeah, I I was a bit disappointed in last in the last episode. Um, the the uh, the the chief the, the the chief chief chieftain of the uh, of the Shawnee uh, Indians. The um, Nathalema, yes, yeah, yeah, she was. They, she they, was 
they could have done way more with that. She she should have been the central she should have been the central character in the episode. Frankly, um, I I have major issues with the fact that she wasn't. Because mm-hmm. um, any cause any chance you get to actually uh, to highlight one of the chieftainesses of one of these tribes, it's it's something special. Because the Native American chieftainesses, when that occurred. Um, were extremely strong personalities, and she, the actress, brought it, and the character could have been um, a massive uh, boom to the storytelling. And they, they kind of underplayed her, and I'm not real happy about that. My, they, they, they could have had it so that she aided them in getting into that camp. Yes, you know, they, they, yes. you know, they could have done so much more of it. It's just unbelievable. Um, I mean, by the same token, I think it was a really good episode for for character development of the of the main triumvirate of characters. Yes, um, and I I, pre- I really liked the fact that they actually slowed down enough to explore the consequences of. This is where the mythology does come in handy. Um, I mean, to, to have to have that many secrets come out and then not and then not explore it would have been a, ma- a massive disservice. And so they basically mm-hmm. devoted an entire episode to the fallout of that and the team having to rebuild itself in extremis, yeah. um, which was really well done, actually, considering it was done in a 42-minute increment. And, um, and have Lucy questioning whether you know whether or not she, she's going to have this, write this diary or not, and, and questioning the, the decisions that she, she's not even yet made. Yes. Yeah. You know? I mean, I thought that was actually quite a good conversation that, that she was having with, with the other two. And Ru- Rufus, you know, wisely stayed out of it because, it, you know, it's not his field of, of physics. Yeah. But then, yeah. Then, then, then when Wyatt sort of like, uh, you know, just illustrated, you know, the point of, well, you've not made this decision yet. Why, why, why are you sort of like obsessing about it? You know, it's not... You know, it's some it's something that may or may not happen in the future. Yeah, no, I think that that's I think I think what scares her and what would scare anybody with anything like a brain is the fact that the decisions when they come will seem completely organic at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that completely that complete organicness is what scares her as much as the decisions themselves, um, because they've all been kind of carried away by the internal logic of this. Yeah, and I think of I think they've all kind of been, you know, a victim of some point of of Rittenhouse, you know, so yes. like Rufus with his family and stuff like that. He's being pressured to spy, and and Rufus's only involvement with Rittenhouse really is has come about because of Mason. Yeah, I, my biggest fear is that they're gonna they're gonna end up in a situation where. Um, Wyatt is actually going to have to be the one who kills his own wife mm-hmm. to maintain some to maintain some sort of loop. I'm really afraid that they're headed for that because they've been so purposely vague about how she died. Um, that I'm wondering if they're leaving it open. So, um, and that's I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong there because that's not going to play that's, that's going to play into just straight up tragedy. I'm not in the mood for that. Um, I'm also not overly optimistic about the fact that Lucy's biological father is the main Rittenhouse guy that we've seen the others interact with, and she doesn't know yet. That's not going to play well. Well, you know, he's not He's not going to be the main Rittenhouse guy. No. You know, it, it is, it's, it's always, you know, he, he'll be the main Rittenhouse guy that we see week in, week out. Yes. There'll be, there'll, be, there'll be someone higher up that we never see. Yes. And Yeah. And that and that 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 will be kind of like the crux of what keeps the mythology going. Yeah. Um, 
which is why why these mythology sort of like driven things sometimes are so 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 bad they're obvious because you have yeah. you know one unseen person at the top manipulating yeah. things it's a bit like the mysterions you know in captain scarlet we never actually seen the mysterions yeah true. They, they were always there <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of something like that yeah. um but well, moving on, um, do, do, do you actually have a favourite episode that you've seen so far of this? A um, favourite episode would probably have to be the one that just aired. As structurally problematic as, as aspects of it were, I, I really appreciated the fact that they took the time to just stop and breathe and deal mm-hmm. with, with some of this. Um, because, because it is so high concept that unless you have episodes where you stop and breathe periodically, it's point. It becomes pointless. Mm. I enjoyed. Um, I, I enjoyed the Animo one. Um, yeah, the Alamo one was was excellent. I have to say, they've gotten some epic character actors to play these various roles. Um, and they've done really well with the casting. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, Goran Basinich has done extremely well as Garcia Flynn. Uh, considering that they haven't really given him very much to work with until recently. You know what they have to. Sorry, you want to go, go ahead? Yeah. Do you know what they actually need to do? What? They need to maybe give us one or two episodes where it's from the point of view of Flynn. They probably will eventually, which brings me to my other point. A, a lot of this is contingent on getting a second season, and unfortunately the chances of them getting a second season, while not impossible, um, are not as strong as they sh- are not as strong as they could be. Um, Timeless is kind of like um, is kind of like Constantine in that mm-hmm. it is a high concept show airing on uh, NBC. And granted, NBC has got some high concept shows airing that have, that lasted for several years, but just as many fizzled as lasted. Mm-hmm. And Timeless at this point is closer to the fizzle category than the last category. And personally, personally, I think NBC in recent years with high concept shows have just sort of like shoved them away to one side. They've not really had a high concept show uh, that's succeeded for them in a good few years now. Um, Grimm succeeded kind of ish. Um, Blind Spot is succeeding kind of ish. Um, but you're uh, you're right. Well, well, Grimm. Yeah, Grim, Grim Blind Spot, but uh, you know, I'd say Grim's probably been the most successful. Blind Spot is probably ten times cheaper to make than Grim, yeah. I, I, as you know. Whereas, so like, um, I think Timeless is probably more expensive to make than Grim because of all the of all the costuming and the sets and and and, and such. Um, so you know. Fingers crossed, it does get renewed, or 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 or, or somehow it, it it survives to to cross over onto um onto something else like Netflix or something. Um, yeah. Because I I do think it deserves a second season based on what yeah. we've been seeing. Yeah. It is yeah. it deserves a chance. Um, but you know, as you say, unfortunately, it's not really getting the ratings. Um, how's MacGyver doing ratings wise? Is that another one that's tanking? Not it's not crashing and burning tanking, but it's it's middling. Mm. Uh, it's 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 earned good enough ratings to get a full season as opposed to the thirteen episodes they started with. Um, it could go either way. Yeah, so. I got a feeling in that um, if it continues to middle, it'll probably get a second season. Mm. It's yeah. just it's just part, a feeling. 
Because part of the problem that they're all facing, all the networks are facing, the fact that their ratings threshold for, for, for renewal is much lower than it used to be, uh, just because of all of the uh, drop-off to cable and other services for entertainment, so that, mm-hmm. they're, uh, so that they're, they're, their cutoff point is not what it was. Uh, that may save a couple of these shows, but even with that, shows like Timeless and MacGyver are still iffy, um, so it's, it's gonna, it, they could go either way. And to be honest, that you know, I, I'm I'm so I neither here or there about whether MacGyver gets renewed or not. I just thought I'd ask. Yeah, um, yeah You know, it's all right, but you know, I still prefer the classic series, and I still I've still I've been watching the classic series again. You know, I've been watching the um, fifth season. Yes. Um. So and and when when you watch the classic series and you watch an episode of this new one every week it's all like it, you know it it it, it really spotlights problems like um, the one MacGyver's an owner in, in yeah. and and in this series is is you know well I'm not going to say he's not got he's got friends or anything like that because he had friends in in the other series but he he's an owner yeah <laughs> yeah and and the new series doesn't have heart there's no there's no draw to be as it were they're just sort of treading water Yep, and um, the the you know Fontans the the native that plays Fonten, I'm sorry but she's like the uh, the biggest plank of wood I've seen since since Tom Wenning oh god that's saying something <laughs> you know yeah and and, um. and Tom Wenning's such a plank of wood that he's not worked in years in front of the camera really he's not you know he's not he, you know you'd think you know he, i was re- reading up on him and he's not done anything you know really in front of the cameras since since marvel ended there's had a few sort of like things happen but he's mostly been working behind the cameras um but you know but i don't get how you know in the article that i was reading or referring to him as one you know as a, as a really promising actor i thought you what <laughs> You know, in, uh-huh. in 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 that series, you could practically see the sawdust come, the sawdust seeping away. Oh God! I'm 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 sorry. I went to drama school, so I think I can act. You know what I mean? Oh God! <laughs> that's, you know, that's not one of those, uh, but it's just so like. Uh, um, let's see. You know, so like, he, he's just sort of like randomly put off the street because he's kind of looked heroic. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I guess. I mean, Dean Kane, you know, that, that that that's another one, but, you know, he, he, he cannot, at least he's got a bit of charisma. Yes, yes, and he's doing, doing extremely well as um, Jeremiah Danvers on Supergirl. So. Yeah, I, I watch Dean Kane in other stuff, you know. Yeah, he's, he's done various um, TV movies and things. He's yeah. done, he, he, can, uh, he can carry himself. Yeah, you know, he's he's not he's not the, he's not a particularly strong actor, but he's likable. Yes, yeah. he's, he's got he's got so like a, a charisma about him that kind of makes him quite likable, and you know, so like a, you just want to be his buddy. <laughs> yeah, part part of the problem they have, and this is not their fault. This is just how things worked out. Part of the problem they have is that every actor who plays Superman is stylistically and/or aesthetically following Chris Reeve. Make you rest. And mm-hmm. the actors that they've had to follow Chris Reeve 
have done a variable job, but they've all got to start with the aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Brandon Ralph did a good, did a pretty good job, you know, in, in his stint in Superman Returns. Mm. Um, yeah, it seemed a bit wooden in parts, but I think that was because with Superman Returns, it was very, very, very much um, an old to the original to, to the original Superman movies. Um, mm. And I think they're trying to make, you know, I think if had they moved away from that. And um, Brand- Brandon Ralph was now to make the character his own. It would have been would have been a lot better. Um, yeah, yeah. C- certainly for Brandon Ralph and also for the for the actual for the actual movie. Um, but moving on, we've discussed timeless now, um, and I know that you're just itching to discuss this. The librarians. Yes, the um, the uh, season premiere just aired, and the second episode will be on tomorrow night here in the US. Mm-hmm. And it is awesome. Hello, they're back. Yeah. And um, and the one of the villains this season is Apep. By the way, for context, Apep. Another name for Apep is Apophis. Yep, I know. As that. an Apo- as an Apophis from Stargate. Yep. He's that. He's that guy. I know. So so um. This is going to be an interesting take because you can tell that they're going to be doing something completely different than what they did on Stargate with him. So wouldn't, be... wouldn't it absolutely be brilliant if they brought Peter Williams in to play him? <laughs> you know? It um... would. It would. <laughs> uh, talk, talking of which, you know, so like Peter Williams, I've been watching something from his earlier career. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, sort of like uh, that—that's a whole different conversation. You know, not 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 a bad conversation because he was actually good in it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I think it'd be cool if they brought Peter Williams into sort of like do do Apep. Uh-huh. You know, because he, yep. he he looks a bit different now than than he did in Stargate. Yeah. No. But uh, but they, I I honestly don't know if they'll even acknowledge it. But uh, this version this version of Apophis or Apep. Is uh, is awesome in his own right. He's gonna be um, he's gonna be formidable. Mm-hmm. He's already proved formidable when he was playing them off against each other in the first episode. But wow. Yes. Yeah, and they because they they did a marvelous job of at, at the character beat level of reminding us just uh, how much baggage these this group of people actually has. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's gonna be yeah interesting. Something else I actually noticed about it as well is it was less awkward. Um, with no whining in there. Whereas in the um, in the first two series, whenever he's been in there, it's been good, but it's it's felt a little bit awkward. Yeah, I didn't. I spotted that too, but I didn't mind it in the first couple of seasons because mm. I think it, it was partially meant to be awkward because he was always coming and going. This is going to be the first season where he's a continuous presence, at least for most of the episodes. And and so because he was you know wrapping up falling skies and so he couldn't come back for more episodes than he did in the previous two seasons but now he's going to be mostly back he's also going to be writing an episode and directing an episode as well as appearing about half of them mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that I think he put, that's part of the reasons why he's you know less awkward is because he's actually integrated for the first season in, yeah. in a long time. I mean, I, I think it's going to be great to see. Um, I mean, we've got we've got a main character dying this season. Um, yeah, um, there think... there are three contenders. Um, one is Flynn, just as a, just to do a handoff. 
Mm-hmm. That's, that's a permanent handoff. Um, another is Jenkins, just because he's so old um, that, that it would be logical for him to eventually die. And the other is Cassandra, because she's got the brain break growing on, going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I personally don't want to lose any of them. I don't, I don't want to lose Cassandra. No, I don't no. want to lose Cassandra. I don't want to lose Jenkins um, just because Jenkins is played so brilliantly by John Larroquette. Um, I, I'm prepared I'm prepared to lose Flynn, although because I've seen the original films and, and I was there like you from the beginning with the franchise, I've grown attached to him. Um, his, his is a character death I'm actually part, I would actually partially grieve simply because I've actually grown attached to him even though generally I don't respond to character deaths much anymore because they're just I see so many of them um, character deaths unfortunately have, have lost a lot of their sting so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they go with it they could also do something completely left field and kill somebody we don't consider um, but those are the three main contenders, just in terms of the internal logic as as it now exists. Um, true, but there's a, there's another person that they could kill off as the internal logic exists, and that'd be um, Eve. that'd be Eve. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it's Eve because um, they they were heavily hinting at it in the first episode, and I think that's a red herring. Yeah. 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 Um, but then again, we could be wrong. You know, it could it could be it could be a double bluff. Yeah. Um, but I personally think out of the three that you mentioned, it is probably Jenkins. Because if no wine is there full time now, they don't need Jenkins. Or, or full time ish, anyway. Yeah. 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 They, don't, they don't need Jenkins. He can take over Jenkins' role. Yes. And, yes. and, and that, that would make sense from the internal logic of the show. I, I'm okay with Jenkins dying, provided we actually get more of the Arthurian backstory in the process because my issue with Jenkins is they they did an, an exposition info dump that implied very heavily a lot of the Arthurian stuff and then just sort of backed off it. And they can't just announce that he's Galahad because, by the way, spoilers, Jenkins is Galahad just the way that Judson was Merlin. Um, they can't just announce that he's Galahad and then not do anything with that. So I'm hoping that if he is the one that, that we get some development of that in the run-up to his death because there are some, some there, are, there are issues there there are issues there and from and from a fan wake standpoint um, anytime you have a show like this where you incorporate literary elements or folklore elements or whatever you're going to have a certain contingent of fans like me who gravitate to the show specifically because of those elements mm-hmm. and you, you can't just have people that are Arthurian and then not delve into that and not explain what your version of that looks like. They went into a bit of that with the the ending of the first season, and I loved the fact that uh, young Lancelot was played by Jerry O'Connell, who is uh, Mr. Rebecca Romain. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun. But we need more of that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm like you. I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed that they didn't actually revisit the Arthurian stuff. You know, given that you know they they did info dump with 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 Jenkins being Gangahad and stuff like that. Yes. So, and it makes sense to actually revisit it because of the whole thing with the name lines and and everything else. You know. And that and and the lake being so into magic and trying to recruit Cassandra and all that stuff. No, they they've got so much Arthurian stuff 
on on the boil that to suddenly just break from it to just veer into the Egyptian stuff while fun in itself in isolation I have no doubt um, I'm I, I would really just rather just do the Arthurian stuff and play out those storylines and then go on to the other stuff so it's going to be interesting to see how they can balance all of this mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean you know I'd, I'd like to see the alternate universe again when they went when, you know from the from the first series, series finale where they they you actually got to see each of the librarians. Oh, that was, that was awesome. Um, I loved it. You know, I mean, it's been referenced last week because of, um, you know, obviously Eve is wanting to sort of make them all into the best. What I have heard is I've heard that uh, Stone's going to be doing a lot more fighting this year. Yes, yeah, and I think, I think, I think they realise that as logical as having Stone be different uh, from Christian Kane's leverage character... Uh, that they they realize that they're wasting a resource mm-hmm. because Christian Kane really is that trained, yeah. and he and he can and he can do that stuff, and they and they and they really should just have him do that stuff. Yeah, you know, he can do all that stuff. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy. Every time I do a review of my librarians, all I have to do is mention the words Christian Kane. Um, yes, I get the, comments. The the caniacs. The caniacs hit. Yeah, the caniacs hit. Uh, <laughs> I, I I love that the caniacs. It sort of rhymes with maniacs. Like yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but they 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 hit, and you know, sort of like, uh, and you know, every every time every time we cover librarians, we 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 have them commenting and uh, and taking part, which is great. You know, sort of like yes. um, you know, librarians is 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 kind of like. In, in terms of when you're running the website and you're writing something on a website, librarians is like a gift. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Because it's got it's got as fierce and as loyal fan base as um, as say Supernatural. Yes. Um, has. Um, but I'd Although say, regret- regrettably, I don't think it'll run as long. <laughs> um, I I think it has the potential to though. It might. Um, if if they stick if they stick with ten episodes per season. I think they could probably pull it off, but it's it, a lot's going to depend on external factors, probably. But I, mm. I hope we can at least get five seasons out of it. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it's on like it's you know it's on TNT. Yeah. So that's kind of like a cable thing, right? It's 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 basic cable. It's it's there there are three tiers in America. There's the broadcast, which is ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and CW. And then you have basic cable, which TNT is one of those. And then you have the premium channels like HBO and Showtime. And so, um, uh, and so TNT is the basic cable. And basic cable has a little more leeway in terms of how they do things than, than broadcast networks, but not quite as much as the premiums. Mm-hmm. So it's, a lot's going to depend on external factors. So fingers crossed. But hopefully we'll get at least five seasons. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it go more than five seasons. I want to see the show go for 50 years. You know? I would love for it to. I, I, I wanted, I wanted, um, I wanted Warehouse 13 to go 50, 50 years, and they weren't going to do that. So Yeah, but, you know, that's, that's, it's John Rogers here who's doing this. It's not the guys that did Warehouse 13. And John, That's true. John Rogers, he, you know, when when I've interviewed him in the past, um, he, you know, he's a huge Doctor Who fan, and you know, he, he's he's always said that he loved, he, he he loves the idea of librarians being the American version of Doctor Who, and so, just keep keep going, and just keep going, and um, you know, I did I did love I don't know if I pay attention to the music on librarians, but I did notice that the music used for the the premiere. Um, 
were very Doctor Who-ish, very Murray Gold. Yeah, I kind of uh, I kind of critiqued that a little bit because it was a little bit too close to the bone. Um, yeah. You probably noticed in my review I mentioned that as a um, as you being, did. being you a did. bad being a potentially bad thing sort of thing. You know, because thus far the librarians managed has managed to tip its hat to dot two playfully. Or, you know, at the same time, it's managed to keep its own identity when yes. doing so. Whereas, so like, having the music that close to, so like, that being Murray Goldish is kind of, like, taken away from that a little bit. It is. And, you know, I mean, I, there was nothing wrong with the music. I, I liked it, but it just sort of, like, it just seemed a little bit too, 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 too similar to the to sort of, like, stuff that Murray Gold was doing during the uh, Tenant and Matt Smith era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, and that that's me speaking not 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 just as a fan, but it's also me speaking as a musician. Mm. You know? Um, although you know my brother would probably sort of whack me around the back of the head and say, "You're not a musician." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been playing I've been playing guitar and musical instruments longer than before you pissing your pants, boy. That's <laughs> my brother. Um, you know, sort of like um, but yeah. It, it was very close. Um, so we've got APEP, we've also got DOSA. Yeah, that's um, that's going to be, I can just tell from the premiere that that's going to be the storyline I tolerate um, because uh, being, a being a mythology-driven show, I've seen these, you know, uh, I've seen these nefarious government agency storylines ad nauseum and I'm basically over them. And so the, the dose of stuff, no matter how, it's, it's going to be very well acted on the part of, of uh, Vanessa Williams. I'm looking forward to seeing her at the performance level and having her play off of Rebecca Romaine is going to be awesome at the performance level. But narratively, I, I couldn't give two shits, frankly. Yeah, I mean, they, they should have called him Dopey. <laughs> you know, because, uh, let's face it, he was, he was so easily able to trick them. Yeah, and they're... They're, they're basically because it was so easy to trick them in in the premiere. They're going to basically come off as bipolar. I have a feeling that they're going to basically be tricked when they need to be tricked, and then get the get the upper hand right about sweeps. And you know, it's it's. I just I don't have the patience for it. Yeah. I just don't have the patience for it. I, I got a feeling they're going to be kind of like more like the pantomime villain sort of nefarious government organization. <laughs> sort of like a, kind of like the pantomime horse that's you know, but it's kicking back. Mm, yeah. Well, whatever it is, I I'm 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 looking forward to it insofar as the actors are concerned, because um, I have no doubt that they'll have good material. But from a, from a viewing standpoint, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Okay, well, um, librarians. It's um, it's every Sunday at eight p.m. Is it seven yeah. seven eight p.m. Central? Yes, it's eight p.m. Mm -hmm. Eastern. Yeah, and um, um, here in the I'm actually I'm actually time shifting other shows to watch it. Yeah. And here in the UK, it's on on Monday nights on Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, um, you know, but um, it's it's a good show, and um, if you know, if if any of you guys listening that have not uh seen the show, if you're after a family show. You know, something that's all right, safe to sort of like watch with the kids. This is a show. This, this is, is a show. This is yes. that show. Um, you know, if if you if you're basically fed up of sort of like watching people get decapitated and uh, and um, sort of like uh, you know your latest episodes of uh, Trumped them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there used to be a TV show here in the UK called Trumped them about firemen, and it was, oh, it was wow. basically about firehouse. It was basically a kids show. <laughs> Oh wow! With with marionettes. Well, oh my 
Um, so that's where that 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 kind of dumbass reference came from. I would prefer, I would prefer that to the actual content at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're fed up of the if you're fed up of watching the Donald Trump show and and all that, you know, watch Librarians. It's much more entertaining. <laughs> you know, it, and you know, it's not it's not racist or anything like that. It's, you know, it's just it's just fun. <laughs> Um, anyway, moving on, um, we've got quite a bit of uh, stuff that's been happening over the last month or two with the new Star Trek series. Um, firstly, Brian Fugger's no longer the main showrunner, and we now have um, Michelle Yeoh, who's going to be playing um, the captain of one yes, of the starships. which, that's going to rock. Um, I'm, I know that... Fuller is still going to be involved with Star Trek, but the fact that he stepped down, I'm not happy about. We're going to have to see how that goes. Um, Michelle Yeoh's casting, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, if you haven't seen it, it is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I know her from that, and I've seen her in a couple of other things. I, uh, she was in a Bond film uh, that did a very particularly awesome job as a as a uh, Chinese uh, spy operative and, and Bond mm-hmm. girl. Yeah, and she actually so she actually out acted Pierce Brosnan in that. She did, yeah. which which yeah, he can act, so that's saying something. Um, the I'm I'm looking forward to her casting. She's not the main character. The POV character is apparently going to be the first officer. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be so it's going to be interesting how to see how they differentiate the first officer, who's also a woman, from the captain, who's who's played by Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think Michelle Yeoh is playing the captain of the actual ship. That she's on, I think. I think she's playing the captain of a different ship, which is gonna be heavily involved within the series. Oh, okay. I wasn't um, sure. I just knew she was gonna be playing a ship's captain. That, I'm not sure she. That's that's what I've read. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. Uh, because it's not actually being officially confirmed yet by Paramount. Um, uh, oh, sorry, CBS. Uh, but Michelle Yeoh herself has actually confirmed that she is playing um a a character, a captain on cool. the series. Um, yeah, she's that casting. Whatever context it eventually plays out in is going to be perfect. She she is Starship Captain material mm-hmm. in terms of her in terms of the skill level that she brings. And, and I'm hoping she, that, I'm hoping that they allow her to display some of her physicality because hello she can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's she's an unknown martial arts actor. Uh, she has been involved in in the in the Hong Kong martial arts scene for a lot of years now is a, is a top name and uh she's made her her she's made her name on, on you know both sides of the atlantic and this is gonna i really hope that they let her bring her entire toolbox to this role yeah so so do i, I mean uh, you know it's gonna, gonna be interesting to see and you know also like you say she's captain material um, you know, and she's actually going to be a good, solid, strong um, female captain in, yes. in in a Star Trek show. Yes, uh, which is something you can't really say about Janeway. No, for the time, Janeway was very good, but they didn't quite know what they were doing. Well, I think the trouble was with Janeway is, um, you know, you basically had um, the only person that really knew how to write for Janeway mm-hmm. left the series around about series two. Mm-hmm. And that was also the only woman on the writing staff, Jerry, you know, I can't remember her surname, Jerry, not not Jerry Ryan. But I think, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember her surname either. Uh, but but she, 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 she was the only person that really knew how to to write for Janeway. Um, the rest of the writers were all male, 
and uh, you know sort of like um, you know when you got men writing a female character you know it's sort of like it's it's coming from a certain point of view isn't it really it is, it is. you know and you can either write a theme a strong female character or you can and yeah the, the trouble was is you know she was captain one minute and then she was sort of like the crew's mother the next yeah and it just felt like um, it just didn't work. You know who I really wanted to be the captain on Voyager? Who? The female Q from Star Trek. You know, the, the actress that made female Q? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, th- I thought she would have been an excellent candidate to play, play captain on Star Trek. Mm. You know, because she's got that presence. She's got that gravitas about her. Susie Flaxen. She also played, um, she also played uh, Kalar. Uh, Worf's mate. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So she, yeah, she would have been perfect. Yeah, she'd been perfect. Unfortunately, I think she was involved in a, in another show, so she, you know, so it never really worked out. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you know, Michelle Yeoh, she's she's gonna be really good. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, is, is the captain of this other ship gonna be male or female? Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's and that's assuming that we that we fully understand what they're reporting. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm frankly waiting for Paramount or CBS or somebody to make an official announcement because I have, a, I have a feeling somebody isn't quite understanding um, what yeah. they what they're conveying or not. I'm not sure. So we're gonna have to see. Well, assuming it isn't, uh, I'd like I'd like a male captain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not because I'm against a woman being in charge of a starship, um, but primarily because I think it would be a little unbalanced if you had a female first officer and a female captain. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be too much like the recent Ghostbusters, mm. which was terrible. I, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I've, at some point, I'll watch it, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of rented it, and I got within maybe the first ten minutes, and I just couldn't watch it. I ended up do, ended up reading some comics and stuff while it was on because I just couldn't watch it, I couldn't concentrate on it. I oh, thought yeah. it was just so bad. Um, but you know, I think you know the I think they they need to sort like balance out the 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 male and female roles in in this. Um, I I don't really want it to be all female and I don't really want it to be all male. Ned. I think I think they they need to, they should go for a nice balance. Mm. Um, you know. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see Michelle Yeo. I can't wait to see what she does. Yeah. I'm, my one issue is, given how much we're going on about Michelle Yeo, it's very telling. I'm hoping that whatever she contributes to this doesn't overpower what they want to do with the main character. Mm. Um, because it could. Yeah, it, it could. If, if she is the main captain on, on, on the main character's ship, if she's another captain on another ship, um, then there's a little bit of distance there. So yeah. it's less likely to overpower. Um, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he's, you know, Brian Fung says there's a lot of robots in it as well. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure what he meant by robots, but, you know, so, you know, he said, you know, he said that in, in, in his initial sort of like thing. Um, I mean, it's set 10 years before the original series. Oh, okay. Um, from what, what what we can hear, so there's probably going to be plenty of scope for us to um, you know have either um, you know cameos by uh, Captain Pike or even a cameo by um, by Robert April. Yes, and like I said, I, I mentioned this before. The thing that I'm excited about, well, apart from this piece of casting, is that um, whatever the story is, it's going to involve to some extent 
uh, Amanda Grayson, and specifically, and one would imagine by extension, Sarek. Uh-huh. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about whatever that's going to be. True. Um, but the, the you know the the other factor is um, it's an ongoing storyline. It's it's going to be the first Star Trek show that actually has um, a, a season arc going all the way through. Mm, okay. And I'm a little bit concerned about that. Mm. Yeah, the 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 arc was the strongest element of Enterprise. But that was relative to Enterprise. I don't know if they could carry it off somewhere else. The Zindi arc um, of Enterprise was pretty piss poor, to be honest. It, yeah. You know, it's very, very uneven, and they never really resolved it properly. Part um, of the problem, and, and we discussed this um, before we started recording, is that the Zindi arc was too allegory-driven. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've reached a point... I'm an English major, for those who don't know, and I'm also someone who, as a viewer, has just consumed a lot of this entertainment in various media. And I've come to the realization, as I said um, when we were offline, was that there is a paradox inherent in allegory uh, that the industry hasn't come to terms with yet, which is that people who understand allegory already don't need it. And people who don't understand allegory aren't going to benefit from it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a wasted effort to build um, to build your narratives around it. You can have it in there, but to actually hit people over the head with it is a waste of resources. To be honest, I think that's the whole problem with a lot of TV now, is um, you know that everything is going for, for, for the allegory right out of the can. Whereas when back in the day of the original Star Trek series, the allegory was just there, but it wasn't it wasn't the determining factor about the show. The determining factor about the show was the characters and 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 the, the evolution of those characters through their experiences and through through their relationships and their interactions with 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 the. Uh, with the particular aliens or the particular conflict that was going on in the week, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The allegory came second, and it wasn't actually, you know, it probably wasn't even intended to be there. It was just no. there by 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 the by, by the fact that the circumstances, you know, within within the script and the characters and the story. Um, just it, you know, just made it you know possible for it to be there, but without it being well, you know, this is an allegorical uh, series, and you know we have this, and we have this, and we're going to explain this, and explain this, and explain this, um, until we beat you over the head with it and bored the shit out of you. Sort yeah, of thing. and and it's just um um a lot of writers, in fact, more writers than not, which has led to just systemic boredom for me and a lot of viewers like me, is that a lot of writers now and a lot of TV executives um, have lost sight of the fact that allegory, when used, needs to be used extremely sparingly and it needs to be regarded as a tool, not a sole justification. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the shows now use it as a sole justification, or try to, or think they are, and they and they hash it. Yeah, and I think I think part of the reason for that is um, every series on television now is has well most series on television now ha- ha- have a season long arc. Yeah. And you know they you know sort of like uh, Babylon Five did 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 a season long arc. Um, but within Babylon Five, there was standalone episodes that yes. had nothing else that had nothing to do with the arc. Yes. Sort of thing. Um, that that just allowed the characters to breathe, sort of thing. Whereas whereas now, you know, you've not really got that. No, no. And 
you know, it's, um, and and uh, on those rare occasions when they try standalone episodes, um, and I see this a lot on the DC shows. Um, when they try standalone episodes, you have writers who have kind of forgotten how to write standalone episodes, and so the standalone episodes are not as strong as they could be. Mm-hmm. They're just they they they're regarded as filler, and they shouldn't be. They should they should be as strong as any of the art stuff. And um, I I think we basically got a generation of writers who need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I mean, I also think that there's probably a strong case to bring bring episodic television back. You know, so like you know more 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 of a serialized sort of thing. Mm. Um, you know where 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 there was a different story each week and um, you know different characters coming in and out. Yeah, yeah, I and they and they have the anthology format is kind of making a a bit of a comeback on on some of the shows that. You know, things like American Horror Story um, will do season-long arc and then move on to another season-long arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're from the generation that grew up on standalone stuff. We're from the generation where serialized storytelling like Babylon 5 was the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the industry would be a lot healthier if they actually went back to standalone storytelling or got more of a mix in there. Yeah, and, and I think another thing that they should maybe bring back is, um, you know, stuff like the Twilight Zone. You know, instead of revamping the Twilight Zone, why not, you know, create something new and call it something else? But, yes. you know, ba- basically use some of the concepts and ideas from, from things like the Twilight Zone and, and the Outer Limits. Um, mean sort of good, you know. This these, these examples of it, you know, sort of like it, you know, they could do sort of like maybe short seasons of maybe six episodes or something, where where you have a, a different story each week. They they are they are bringing back tales from the crypt, and mm-hmm. they're also bringing back they're bringing back tales from the crypt on TNT, and they're bringing um, back amazing stories on NBC. Yeah, both of both of those fall in that category, but it's going to be interesting to see how effective they are. Mm. I'm hoping they are. I mean, I, I loved Amazing Stories. Amazing Stories rocked. Uh, I watched the original. I adored the original Tales from the Crypt. But then part of it was I was just hard. I was hardwired to basically love anything even vaguely resembling a Muppet. <laughs> and the crypt, the crypt Keeper was basically um, Oscar the Grouch's goth cousin, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so I, so I, I watched, I watched the Crypt Keeper, and. Um, and, and, and grew to love the horror. I, I love that stuff because my hobby, for those who don't know, one of my hobbies, um, apart from Big Finish, one of the reasons I love Big Finish is because I listen to a lot of vintage radio uh, mm-hmm. narrative programming and more contemporary uh, radio narrative programming on uh, through outlets like uh, BBC4 and 4 Extra. I just love radio narrative. And... The, the original um, Tales from the Crypt was taken from a magazine, Tales from the Crypt, from, that was done in the 30s and 40s, and they actually had Tales from the Crypt and Tales from the Crypt variants on radio. And so that was just a continuation of, of the radio format for TV, which I just fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And mm. so if they, if they did more of that, I would just take to it because I, I love that format. I love the, um, the, the standalone story with the with the uh, sting in the tail at the end. The stories that are driven by dark irony. I, li- I live for that kind of narrative. So Yeah, I mean, you know, one, one of the things I used to go about the Twilight Zone was the uh, the intro at the beginning, you know, Rod Serling. <laughs> oh, Serling was 
Awesome. And, you know, and sometimes on a particular episode, he, he'd sum up at the end. You know, yes. But he he wasn't he wasn't preachy. It was just sort of like uh, you know, it's kind of like um, is this what really happened, sort of thing, or yes, you know, yes. you know, so like it, it kind of added something extra that that had you thinking about the episode or week. Yes, so. he also did. Um, Sterling was so popular that they got him as a host for a 70s variation of Tales from the Crypt um, and Twilight Zone called The Night Gallery, which I was also very fond of. Oh, The Night Gallery, I remember that, yeah. Yes, it was, it was, very, it was, it was wonderful. I actually discovered it for the first time on Hulu um, before Hulu took away their free-tier programming. And Night Gallery was awesome. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. Yep. So, so yeah, if, if they could, if they could do good, well thought out modern variations of that kind of stuff, I, I'm all for it. You know, I, I'd be for a Star Trek anthology show. You know, you, you know, sort of every Star Trek show we've had, it's always been the Federation. Yes. What what about you know we do an anthology show where we where we tell stories from the point of view of a of a Cardassian crew or or um, a pirate crew within the Federation? Yeah, sort of yeah. I, I read somewhere I read somewhere that this Star Trek show was going to be that, but I don't, can't remember where. You know, so don't quote me. Yeah, I it, it's not going to be that now. Now though, it's it's not like it's been it's been revealed that it's basically going to be a a whole arc. Okay. And then okay. and then the following series, if if it gets that far, will be a different arc. Um, okay. Probably using the same characters, or you know, they might move it on a little bit. I mean, I, I think what they should what they should do is maybe have this one set ten years before, mm-hmm. and then maybe jump forward and maybe sort of like. Um, have 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 a a season set aboard the Stargazer. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, and, 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 and stuff like that. Just pick random things from, from different from the different um elements. Because Star Trek's got all the mythology to do that. I mean, you know, you you had the uh the, the wars that that, that 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 were happening with Zeph and Cochrane and Biggie and yes. stuff like that, you know, so like how 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 about um a, a season of that? Or like I said before, a season building up to what the hell happened on on Tarsus Four with Codus the Executioner. Mm-hmm. That was you know that was mentioned in one episode, and it should have been not just the impetus for a Star Trek um, Star um, Shakespeare homage, but just an entire exploration of Kirk as a character and how the hell he got out of that and how it affected him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's like you say, there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of angles they could take that would be totally awesome. Yeah. You know, and um, and and that that's that's the one thing that bugs me. They've got all this history, and but you know, one the one thing I'm optimistic about Discovery is the fact that they they're, they're setting it ten years before the original series, and they're using elements from it, sort of thing. And I'm I'm quietly optimistic because of yeah. of is no longer the uh, showrunner per se. We still have Nicholas Meyer involved. Yes, that's true. And and, um, and 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 a few other people. So you know, yeah. in, you know. So I'm hoping it'll be good. Yes. And I think that should about sum it up for this week. Um, unless you want and um, want to add anything else. No, I think we've about covered it. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Well, we'll be back um, fairly soon, probably uh, next week or the week after, with a with a DC special, so we can actually talk about these crossover episodes and and the DC series series so far from from what we've seen of them. Because um, you know, I I am 
I am conscious of the fact that we've not been doing too many shows of night. Um, reason for it is I I recently moved house and that's and and um, other things have been taking time away from me that I, that I'd usually sort of like put towards this. So I'm kind of hoping we can sort of like try try and get back on a roll in the year. Yeah. It's, it's um no, it's just one of the just one of those things. Um, but from from me and Raisa for now it's um it's farewell and we'll be back at you again pretty soon. Probably in a week or two. So bye for now.